The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation, across the airwaves at WBUR 90.9 FM and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and your material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selections of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us come Sunday. On this auspicious Sunday, in this auspicious season, we come in memory and hope praying in the words of the old spiritual that one day we shall be free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray together. Grant, O merciful God, that your church, being gathered together in unity by your Holy Spirit, may show forth your power among all peoples to the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, as we gather in ordered worship, we do so with a spirit of compunction, realizing that we fall short in what we dream and what we do, in what we say and what we lack saying, in how we are and how we move in the world. We come to this moment confident that God is a pardoning God and frees and forgives and releases and cleanses, even as we bow now together in a silent prayer of confession as our choir sings with us the traditional Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. we pray the grace to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, 
Now I have put my words in your mouth. See today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 71 with the Antiphon. take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, my only oh God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you.
please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Glory to you, O Lord. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for eighteen years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he had laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. Out upon the Massachusetts Bay in the autumn of 1630, a frigate rolls with the ebb and flow of the tide. As we could yesterday on the Esplanade, there we may imagine you can almost taste the scent of salt in the air. The governor, John Winthrop, is about to deliver a sermon. It is a Sunday morning that autumn to a band there in the frigate of frightened pilgrims, half of whom will have died by spring. Says he, we must consider that we shall be a city set upon a hill. The eyes of all the people will be upon us. So if we should choose to deal falsely with our God, in this work we have undertaken and cause him to withdraw his support from us, we shall become a story and a byword among the peoples. A prophetic word of caution here on your waterfront, Boston, in the autumn of 1630 at the inception of this great land, this land of the free and home of the brave. Now the setting is uh, the nation's capital, not New England. The season is winter, late winter, March to be exact, not autumn. And the weather is blustery and cold, ice and snow, cold rain falling. And the preacher is not Governor John Winthrop, it is our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln. In just a few weeks at Appomattox, Lee and Grant will come together and by then some 600,000 men, south and north, will have died. Lincoln himself will be dead in just a few weeks as well. He says, the Almighty has his own purposes. Fondly do we hope and fervently do we pray this, that this mighty scourge of war might speedily pass from us. Yet if it be God's will that it continue until all the wealth built up by the bondsman's unrequited toil of 250 years be sunk and every drop of blood drawn with the lash be paid by one drawn with the sword. Then we shall say, as was already said some 3,000 years ago, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. You can see these words chiseled in marble in Washington, where many are today. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us press on to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle 
and his widow and his orphan to do all that may achieve a just and a lasting peace for ourselves and among all the peoples. In 1867, 30% of the state budget of Mississippi will be expended on artificial limbs. Lincoln's sermon, his great greatest, his second inaugural, was a prophetic word of judgment. Now the setting is nearly the same. It's foggy bottom still, but it is August, not March, and it is hot in Washington, D.C. You spell that H-O-T, hot. It is August the 28th, 1963, nearly to the day 50 years ago. Some of you perhaps were there. Some of you listening upon the radio waves certainly were there, and many of our brethren are there even today. It's a gathering to face the great challenge embedded in the history of this country. We have a sorry habit of finding ways to fractionalize the marginalized, to take one and make it three-fifths. No, we, we wait upon a, a day of grace and freedom and love. Tens of thousands have gathered in the heat. And the spirit of the moment is captured by the ringing oratory of a Baptist preacher who says, among other things, I have a dream that one day in the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slaveholders will sit down at the table of brotherhood. Winthrop, Lincoln, King, the Massachusetts Bay, the Government Hall, the Great Mall, 1630, 1865, 1963. These are arguably the three greatest sermons ever given in the history of our land. Do you notice something about these sermons? Not one of them was delivered in a church. I have every reason making my living with the sweat of my jaw to affirm sermons given in church. These three were given in a boat, a hall, and a mall, outside. Some of the greatest sermons in life are spoken, or better yet, lived outside of church. You perhaps with others have been thinking this year about King and about Lincoln and about Winthrop. Why here in April on the 15th to be exact, we had some sense again of the costs borne to settle a cradle of liberty. Some of you worked to memorialize our own Lu Ling Si. 
You've worked at it, but the work continues to work it through. You may have had a sense not of Winthrop's name, but of the history of this great city this year. You may have been thinking of Lincoln this summer. This was the 150th anniversary in July of Gettysburg, of Pickett's charge of that turning of the Army of Northern Virginia back down south. This autumn, we shall remember again the famous words of Lincoln in his so-named address. You may be thinking of him this summer. You may also have been thinking this summer, well, actually today, this week, of Martin Luther King. And his great, he was a preacher and he was a personalist and he was a profound prophet who could balance a capacity of solidarity with one of community. They're on our minds. We have made great progress, great strides in this land and the great challenge of racial equality, but we still have a long way to go. On the one hand, in 1963, there were 365,000 African Americans who had earned a bachelor's degree. Today, that number is 5.1 million. On the other hand, still today, 28% of African Americans live at or below the poverty line. As the boy said to the preacher, I'm not as bad as I was, but I'm not as good as I'm going to be. We're moving forward. It takes a little bit of faith to move forward under the aegis of a prophetic word of caution, of judgment, and in King's case, of hope. We can stand a little refreshment this morning. Perhaps also this year you have returned or been reminded by a recent film of other actors in this ongoing drama of ours. Now the year is 1947. Think of this country in 1947. The armed forces were not integrated. Most schools were not integrated. The cause of racial justice was just in some ways a borning when along came a man whose name I want to impress upon our memory. It's a memorable name, strange name. His name was Branch Rickey. Branch Rickey was a cigar chomping, tea-totaling, Bible-thumping, conservative Republican businessman, graduate of Ohio Wesleyan University, who loved one thing, baseball. As a coach at that small Methodist college for small Methodists long before, he had seen firsthand the pain, the hurt, the lasting damage of what he called race prejudice. And so he made a vow that when he could, Branch Rickey did, he would do something. Don't let people tell you things can't change. Real change is real hard, and it comes in real time when real people of good work will work really hard together. Here is one such soul. Branch Rickey connived, schemed, wisely waited year, decade, decades to find a way gradually to bring Jackie Robinson into Major League 
baseball. He brought him through the Montreal Expos and down to his team, the Brooklyn Dodgers. When I saw, happily enough, the Red Sox beat the Dodgers yesterday in the sun of Southern California, I thought every one of you is either playing, is either a child or a grandchild or a great-grandchild of Branch Rickey and Jackie Robinson. In one lone man, in one lone sport, in one lone lifetime, with some others, led a change that has become massive, important, and permanent. From this pulpit some years ago, my friend, African-American preacher Bobby McLean, spoke. I had heard him 20 years earlier when he talked about growing up as he did in Tuskegee, Alabama. And Bobby McLean said memorably, we listened on the radio to the team Branch Rickey put on the field. And when Jackie Robinson hit, we jumped. When he scored, we cheered. When he slid, we dusted off our own pants. And when he was spiked, we felt that hurt all the way down in Tuskegee, Alabama. He gave us hope. He gave us hope. Branch Rickey grew up as a Methodist. That means that he knew from his early days a combination of deep personal faith and active social involvement. He also was one of those people who just hadn't gotten the memo that it can't be done. He was not just optimistic, but hopeful, as John Wesley would have taught, and perhaps he took with his early days and nourishment, personal holiness and social holiness go together. If thine heart be as mine, give me thine hand. The singing Methodist and the Methodist handshake go together. So when he finally has convinced his, as the film portrays it, his co-workers to go ahead with this different and courageous decision to bring Robinson south, in a room full of cigar smoke and newspapers and angry letters, you see him lean forward and say, and by the way, I see this as a hopeful sign. Robinson, he's a Methodist. I am a Methodist. God is a Methodist, and we're going to do this. Don't let people tell you things can't change. They can it just takes people whose sermons aren't so much in church, not just the Sermon on the Mount, but are lived and spoken in life, the Sermon on the Mound. Things can change in every sector. We just need a few more branch rickies and a few more sermons like his on the mound. Where is the branch ricky of your neighborhood? Where is the branch ricky of your profession? Where is the branch ricky of the public schools? Where is the branch ricky of needy denominations? Where is the branch ricky of Wall Street? Some of those are right here listening. You can do something. Oh, I'm only a student. Well, study. Oh, I'm only a lay leader. Well, lead. Well, oh, I'm only a preacher. Well, speak. Oh, I'm only a professor. Well, what do you profess? Things change when individuals and sometimes very small groups move together for a sermon in life, a sermon on the mound. 
Now we today could leave this sermon right there in a moment of nostalgic revelry or of romantic recollection, except that would be to miss the word of caution on Winthrop's lips and the word of judgment on Lincoln's and the word of hope on King's, to miss the import of what Robinson and Ricky did in their time. That is, we too have a challenge in my own denomination, Methodism, which I love more than I can say. I love with every fiber of my being. We are a one-issue denomination, and until we solve it, we shall ever be. And that is the issue of the full inclusion of gay and lesbian people. We have our own task today. Where is the voice of Winthrop in caution among us? You've heard some of those voices this summer, Evans and Whitney and Bauman and Katie and Snyder and Hill, but what about yours? Oliver Wendell Holmes heard a sermon nearby and afterwards said, I applied five important words to what I had heard. He said, I applied, this, I applied it to myself and you. Where is the Winthrop to say to us, we shall be a city upon a hill, and if we shall choose to deal falsely with our God in this work that we have undertaken, the work of the full inclusion of all humanity, including gay people, then we shall be a story and a byword. Where is the voice of Lincoln to say among us, the Almighty has his own purposes, Fondly do we hope and fervently do we pray that this great scourge of homophobia might quickly, speedily pass from us. Yet if it be God's will that it continue till every Methodist church is shuttered and closed and emptied and every former member has become a Lutheran, Episcopalian, Congregationalist, Presbyterian, Unitarian or other, then we shall say as was said, 3,150 years ago. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. But mostly, where is the voice of King? King speaking of the red hills of Georgia. I come to you from the green hills of upstate New York, that beautifully glacially cut rolling territory those meadows and long finger lakes cut thousands of years ago, that beautiful greenery. And I ask, this is my hope. I have a dream that one day on the green hills of upstate New York, the friends, the sons of friends of gays and the sons of former gay critics will sit down at the table of brotherhood. We need our tongues, we need our voice, we need that sense abiding of hope. Sometimes when I'm wondering what will happen, I re remember William Blake and hold his song in my heart. Did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's mountains green? 
And was the holy Lamb of God in England's pleasant pastures seen? And did the countenance divine shine forth upon these clouded hills? And was Jerusalem builded here among these dark satanic mills? Bring me my bow of burning gold. Bring me my arrow of desire. Bring me my spear, O clouds unfold. Bring me my chariot of fire. I will not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem in this green and pleasant land. Amen. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please find a comfortable posture of prayer, either by remaining seated, standing, or kneeling at the communion rail as we sing, Lead Me, Lord, our call to prayer. offer up a petition of prayer and end each phrase with God of love and mercy and the communal response will be hear our prayer. Creator, we come to you now to raise up our prayers for the people in our lives and in the world who are in need. Hear us now and hold these prayers close to your heart. We pray for those who cannot enjoy the sunlight of these last summer days for those sick, bereaved, left inside on hospital beds, those who work too much in dark and insular offices, for those who are simply blinded to summer beauty that surrounds them, for the incarcerated, the incapable, and those living in the dark of depression. May you be their light in dark places and show them your warmth. God of love and mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those in our nation, for those who make political actions and determine laws, for those who protect us from disease, war, and poverty, for those who teach our children in schools and heal our elderly in care facilities, for those who struggle continually to find freedom in a country that's meant to be free. 
May you be their courage, O God, and their words and deeds may be true and honest. God of love and mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those in the world who struggle against unrighteous regimes of power, for those who live on less than a dollar a day and go hungry far into the night, for those who find their lives endangered simply by the location of their neighborhood, for those who choose war consistently instead of peace. May you, O oh God, be their hope and lead them to a place of peace that will prevail. God of love and mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those in our lives, the ones we have lost touch with over the years, those we miss, for our loved ones who bring us joy and comfort daily, for those who have shown us the true meaning of loyal friendship, for those we know well and who see us for who we are. May you be our reminder of thanks, O oh God, for the relationships in our lives that sustain us. God of love and mercy, hear our prayer. We pray now for those in our community of Boston, for the members of this Marsh Chapel family who may be struggling with stress, unemployment, depression, and exhaustion. For the city of Boston, that it might be a safe and sacred place that empowers and enlivens those who live here. For all the people interwoven into our daily lives who we may overlook, may you be the comfort, O oh God, guiding us all to love in even the most dire of times. God of love and mercy, hear our prayer. Creator God, you are both mother and father to us, strength and shield. May we pray the prayer that Jesus, your son, taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be always with you. 
We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and hope you will take a moment to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know each other better throughout the coming week. We always invite members of the Marsh Chapel congregation to participate in the ministry of this place by identifying a form of ministry they wish to take up. If you would like to have your form of ministry in our midst uh, listed in our list of spiritual gifts, please, after the service, see uh, Miss Rachel Cape, our Director of Hospitality. We would note that this Wednesday, August 28th, at noon on the steps of Marsh Chapel, we will be hosting a reading of the I Have a Dream I have a dream speech by uh, Religious Life and other leaders at Boston University. We hope that you may come out to be inspired that your life hearing a Sermon on the Mount may become a Sermon on the Mound. We uh, note also that next week is our matriculation service as we welcome all of the incoming students to Boston University for the fall 2013 semester. Uh, we hope that you will join us for that, join us for lunch afterwards as well. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on William Byrd's setting of the antiphon for the Feast of All Saints, O Quam Gloriosum. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Just and almighty God, accept these gifts, empower us to be prophetic and ever mindful of the need for justice in our midst. We pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The sun shall warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, 
God's hand to you, the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.